I went to London to do Twitch. I mean, every production shop that I have basically is is somewhat somehow influenced by what I learned during the Adrian Sherwood tutelage. And from there, we started recording some of the stuff that uh, would wind up on Rape and Honey. But actually, to be honest, we did some gigs in Chicago before we even did Twitch and tried out some music at places like Exit and uh, things of that ilk back in the day that wound up on Rape and Honey. I took what I learned in my two years in London and I brought it back to Chicago and and and, and the same thing I still do today. Uh, I just bulk record. Yeah. And then you start thinking, well, you know what? We could make a new band out of this song. We could make a new band out of that song. Lead in the Gold, Barker's Project. Uh, that was two songs that were possibly going on Rape and Honey. Uh, Lard was basically all ministry outtakes from Rape and Honey with Jello singing. Barker, uh, I had produced his band when I was living in Boston in 1983. While I was under the iron grip of Arista Records and Clive Davis making me cut my hair and do all this stuff and, and with sympathy and and not take direction, but literally take songs that producers have written, because that's the way that it was done for years in the music business. Life couldn't get better. And then I realized like, no, this sucks. This is not what I wanted to do. But during that point in time, there's a band called The Blackouts from Seattle. So I produced this band and, and their second single that they ever did, which was an EP. And, and I thought it was really good. It was the first thing I'd ever produced outside of my own stuff. And so uh, their singer left to pursue an art career and they were out of work and I was kind of like without a band. So I hired the blackouts to be ministry with me as the front man. And that's how we continued for the next 15 years, basically. Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Sometimes we talk about films, sometimes we talk about music. In this aspect, what happened in 1988, we can put to film. Al Jorgensen, who recently had a birthday, of Ministry. So Ministry has been around a long time. Before they became the Ministry that we know, they Ministry was like a synth, a, a synth band. Okay? And then that all changed. They were a, a synth band in, formed in Chicago, Illinois. And then something happened. As you heard Al Jorgensen talk about, there was a change brewing. So, after Twitch, Paul Barker became... Jorgensen's primary collaborator in ministry. Until his departure, he was the only person credited as a member of the band other than Jorgensen. Jorgensen then made another significant change to ministry sound when he resumed playing electric guitar. With Riflin on drums, ministry recorded The Land of Rape and Honey in 1988. The album continued their success in an underground music scene. 
The land of rape and honey made use of synthesizers, keyboards, tape loops, jackhammering, drum machines, dialogue excerpted from movies, unconventional electronic processing, and in parts heavy distorted electric guitars and bass. The album was supported by a tour in 1988 and singles and music videos for Stigmata and Flashback. Stigmata was also used in a key scene in Richard Stanley's 1990 film Hardware, although the band shown performing the song was Guar. So, In the Land of Rape and Honey was released today in 1988. 33 years ago. The Land of Rape and Honey is a third studio album by American industrial band Ministry, released on this day by Sire Records. This is the first Ministry album to include bassist Paul Barker and marks a departure from the band's previous two synth-pop and EBM records. It incorporates heavy metal guitars and industrial music influences, and Jorgensen uses distorted vocals in his natural accent rather than the faux British accent of previous albums. The resulting album was sounded was influential in the industrial music genre and in Jorgensen's favorite ministry album. The album was certified gold in 1996. The album title comes from the slogan of Tisdale's Saskatchewan, whose motto at the time was the land of rape and honey, a reference to the agricultural products, rapeseed and honey. The band chose the name after seeing a slogan on a souvenir mug. Jorgensen credited his work with Adrian Sherwood on the preceding album Twitch for giving him confidence in his vision and showing him new techniques, which he said he pushed to an extreme. Oh, it was extreme, all right. Jorgensen exper- had experimented with a heavier industrial sound starting in the mid-1980s with singles such as No Devotion and from the role Volting Cox Big Sexy Land, and All Day from Twitch. When Revco's next single was more commercial, Sarah proposed doing the same for the new Ministry album, but Jorgensen threatened to disband Ministry. Continuing in a less commercial industrial lace direction, The Land of Rape and Honey incorporates elements of heavy metal, such as a fast electric guitar riffs, although only the first three songs use guitars extensively. Stigmata does not feature live guitars. The two-chord riff, altered from a pitch shifter, was sampled. Jorgensen had written some of the songs prior to working on Twitch and said this was the sound he had originally wanted for the band. In his memoirs, Jorgensen described himself as a functional addict who scheduled his life around his dealer's availability. Despite this, he spent hours editing tapes of music and the band had recorded. Jorgensen described them as snippets of noise that came to him in dreams, inspired by William Burroughs and the cut-up technique. Jorgensen cut up the tapes and spliced them together randomly until he liked the end result. Jorgensen wrote Stigmata at the last minute after realizing he needed another song to complete the album. A post made on Wax Tracks Records' official Instagram account in 2019 shows a handwritten production sheet featuring a number of tracks which did not appear on the final record. Certain songs were instead released through other band's side projects, Idiot and Black and Heart, under Lead into Gold and Apathy from 1,000 Homo DJs. Now, the controversial album cover. The album cover is electronically possessed in press process image of a burnt corpse 
in the Leptis circular sub subcamp of Buchenwald. Jorgensen took a photograph while watching a Holocaust documentary on television and distorted the image himself. According to Jorgensen, it was originally rejected by the record label, but they later changed their mind after Jorgensen cut off the head of a roadkill deer, put it in his truck, drove from Austin to Los Angeles, went into the Sire Records building, threw the head on the table of the art department and said, here's your new fucking album cover. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Tom Moon wrote in 1,000 recordings to Hear Before You Die that the album became the blueprint for all what was tagged as industrial dance music. Fear Factory, Linkin Park, Slipknot, and Nine Inch Nails have cited this album as a major influence. Jorgensen has cited The Land of Rape and Honey as his favorite ministry album, likening it to the learning experience from Changes One's Life. However, Jorgensen said that Stigmata is his least favorite song on the ministry catalog for its simplistic songwriting despite its popularity. The track is featured in Richard Stanley's 1990 science fiction hardware. Although the band shown performing the track is Guar, Marilyn Manson performed a cover of the, uh, on the soundtrack of the film Atomic Blonde. Golden Dawn is featured in the trailer for the 1992 film Free Jack. Who's in Free Jack? Oh, okay, I forgot. First track, Stigmata, The Missing, Deity, Golden Dawn, Destruction, Hezbollah, The Land of Rape and Honey, You Know What You Are, I Prefer, Flashback, Abortive. And then the samples, Golden Dawn, the samples are You Being, are you being Found of Guilty Come Convent. Convents with the devil state your confession confess confess antichrist the devils which is a really good film that i talked about back in march with george strombolopoulos ken russell's the devils and then you hear the chanting of alistair crawley from his call of the first emethy chanting israel regard regardie quoting the english translation of the first ukraine key hezbollah for you know who you are. You know who you are. Closing dialogue by Tuco from Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Macabre laugh, a fistful of dollars. Die, motherfucker, aliens. Come on, motherfuckers, dance, motherfuckers. Platoon. Flashback. Now hold up, man. Do it. Everybody's got to die sometime. I'm hurting real bad inside from Platoon. Abortive. T minus. Oh, it's a countdown. First American shuttle, and the shuttle has cleared the tower. NASA. Isn't that interesting? All done by Al Jorgensen. Ministry. Ministry, if you think of that album, and, and I mentioned the film. So what they did that first tour, and then the second tour, they had like a fence. It was very, oh my God, it was fucking crazy. It was like something out of post-apocalyptic. And it separated the audience and the band. It looked like something off the street. It was crazy. And then they continued that. And then they had like um, the title track has Jello Biafra from Dead Kennedys um, kind of miming along to the track and dancing and putting his hand in his mouth. As they do this, you know, this Nazi kind of symbol, not symbol, but the, the chant because he's incorporated all these different chants to, sh- you know, yeah, show society. And then they have this big screen of all the imagery. It was crazy. It was crazy. And ministry continued that. You know, ministry did what 
the Velvet Underground did or Andy Warhol when the Velvet Underground first played and they played I think at the Mark's Mark's um St. Mark's place and they had these images that Andy Warhol was projecting in back of the band so Ministry was kind of doing something similar to what the Velvet Underground was doing and what Pink Floyd was doing but in a very oh my god the way that Ministry captured it yeah it's 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 interesting so before we end tonight's show let's hear from the man himself Mr. Al Jorgensen and continuing on with that process of just tape splicing and and bulk recording and and that was my favorite moment in the whole record we started doing golden dawn on that record uh and it wasn't for that record once again it was just a bulk record but i just remember when i started uh putting in uh and literally back in the day i literally had to sync tape machines up like a dj and release the tape to make Aleister Crowley be in time with the music. Unlike now, it's so easy now, man. These kids have it so easy. Stop and then recalibrate the tapes syncing together and all that shit. But this, I just ran it and it ran for like seven minutes in perfect time like Aleister Crowley was the lead singer of uh, Ministry. And that all worked great except there was a lot of weird glitches that happened that uh, were unexplainable, just power outages without a, a, a thunderstorm or anything in Chicago at the studio. Uh, events that happened that just kept, like, this song is jinxed, like, don't do this. It was it was pretty creepy. Like, literally, I realized that on Golden Dawn, that's that's why that my affinity is for that song on, on that record. Abortive is, uh, just so it's known, Abortive was written by Adrian Sherwood, and I heard it, and I, I really liked it, but he really liked some of my outtakes, so basically, I traded him uh, three songs that were yet unnamed for Abortive and an ounce of Wiz which is amphetamine sulfate, which is in London, was the cocaine of London. You don't see a scene like that anymore. Artists from around the world just like, I'll trade you this for a gram of coke and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. It was crazy back then, man. It was like the Wild West. And and the and the less the record companies knew about it, the better. Like, they, the entire record industry made money in spite of themselves. They did everything they could to kill creativity and art and, and culture and people buying things in a consumer way of 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 our of artists. Um, they did everything they could to kill it and we survived in spite of them. And I'm sure if you talk to like any anyone from the grunge movement or any of these other little movements that sprang up all over, they would say the same thing. And that's Al Jorgensen talking to Revolver magazine in two thousand and nineteen. And so there you have it. Ministry. The Land of Rape and Honey. Classic album. By some it's controversial. 
but it is it's an album it stands the test of time it shaped ministry and it totals 360 it inspired people like Slipknot Nine Inch Nails that's the that's kind of the funny thing is this we've all said the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is the fact that Nine Inch Nails got in first and not ministry probably because of commercial appeal Nothing against Nine Inch Nails, but without Ministry, you don't have Nine Inch Nails. Without Skinny Puppy, you don't have Nine Inch Nails. Think about that. Industrial music. As always, unpleasant dreams. <laughs>